This is Terry Crosby. Andy Steiger. Welcome to the AC Podcast. On this podcast, we want to help you understand and speak the language of our culture and address questions being asked with intellectual honesty, gentleness, and respect. We're back for another week, listeners. Thank you for joining us again. We have some special announcements and some um, an interesting interview today. Yeah, things are a little bit different today. We want to just start off by uh, giving an announcement that gives some context to an interview that I did recently with Lee Strobel. In light of it being 2020, wanted to talk to Lee about the future. And in fact, that's the theme of our upcoming Apologetics Canada conference. This is our 10th conference. Uh, We started Apologetics Canada back in 2010, Nancy and I did. And it's amazing to think that it's already been 10 years and here we are in the year 2020 and we're looking into the next decade and I'm, and I'm asking, you know, what are the big questions that we need to be thinking about in the years to come? And I think this is an important habit for Christians, for the church to get into. You know, we'll often talk about how the church is behind the times, right? Or we're playing catch up. And one of the ways that we avoid that is we, we need to be anticipating, you know, where are things going and how can we be proactive? I remember that I started Apologetics Canada in light of Lee Strobel, actually. He was talking about the number of young adults that were leaving the faith, and that was something God used in my wife and I to start this ministry. And so I thought, how, how fun would that be to kind of go back, you know, now that it's 10-year you know, anniversary, to go back and to talk with Lee. And for him and I just to talk about, okay, where do we see things going in the future and how can we be prepared to make sure that we're equipping the church to address important questions that are going to challenge the gospel, but also are going to give an opportunity for the gospel. So, I hope that you enjoy this interview and I hope that it also inspires you as you can go deeper. This year at the Apologetics Canada Conference on March 6th and 7th, here in Abbotsford at Northview Community Church, we are going to be talking on a number of issues. We have a panel discussion that's going to be happening on the Friday night with three incredible thinkers, top in their field, that are going to be talking about key ethical issues confronting Christians in the next 10 years. I'm really looking forward to that. Terry, as you know, we've been talking for a while about what we were going to do with the conference, what was going to be the key ideas that we were going to talk about. Yes. And this is the one that, yep. that came to our mind. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because we were out at a conference recently in uh, San Diego, the Evangelical Theological Society, Evangelical Philosophical Society. Mm-hmm. This was the key issue. Yeah, yeah. It was coming up a lot. Yeah, it was coming up a lot. And one of the things, though, that was concerning me, and I actually mentioned this at the conference, as I said, listen, I'm hearing a lot of people identifying issues. I'm seeing very little in the way of answers to these upcoming issues. So we want to make sure that we're not just identifying issues, but we're giving answers and be and equipping. So we also have a number of rethink talks that are happening called Rethinking the Future. We have Craig Parton that's coming out. He is an attorney out of the U.S., great thinker, involved in apologetics for quite some time. He's going to be talking on the subject called Not About You, the What, Why, and How of Defending the Faith in the 21st Century. We have Stephanie Gray coming out, which I know Terry, you're you're a big fan of. Yes, and Steve, and Steve, uh, she. 
is going to be talking on the subject of having civil discussion on bioethical challenges at the beginning and end of life. I know here in Canada, those are major issues that we need to be equipped to think through and to be able to talk on. And then we have Dr. John Newfeld from Back to the Bible, an incredible Bible teacher. Honestly, I, I, and I'm not just saying that, I think he's one of the best. And he's going to be talking on the subject of remaining orthodox in a culture of theological relativism. That is just a sample. We've got some main speakers as well, such as Sam Albury that's going to be here discussing uh, sexuality, singleness, and loneliness. That is a huge topic that we're not only facing now, but is only going to be growing in the decade to come. We have Daryl Bach, one of the preeminent uh, New Testament scholars in the world that's going to be talking on the subject of discussing future opposition to the Bible. And then we have a Christian artist by the name of Scribe, who's going to be discussing the art of communicating truth. It is a power-packed lineup, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And that doesn't even include our 18-some-odd different breakout sessions that are happening. Myself, Terry, and Steve will all be speaking at the conference. We would uh, love to have you out. Just one quick thing, tickets are selling quite quickly for that conference. Probably the fastest actually we've ever sold tickets. Yeah. Every year that has sold out. So we would encourage you to uh, to get your tickets and to join us. Lastly, we have a special event that's taking place. Good friend of ours, Wesley Huff from the Toronto area. We have him flying out. He is a uh, doctoral student in the area of biblical studies, and he's going to be giving a free lecture it's going to start in the morning here at Northview at 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., and it's on the topic of how did we get the Bible? And then in the evening, we'll be at Columbia Bible College from 7.30 to 9 p.m. talking about can we trust the Bible? So, how did we get the Bible? Can we trust the Bible? Free seminars would encourage you to come out. It's going to be fantastic. Really looking forward to this year's conference. You can go to apologeticscanadaconference.com to register. Yeah. Tickets, there is an early bird pricing right now. Yeah, it's going to be going get soon. that. Yeah. Uh, it'll end on January 31st. So uh, get your tickets now. You get a little uh, discount there. Here's Andy and Lee talking about the future. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Andy Steiger. And I'm Lee Strobel. And we're here talking about the future. Yeah. It's an important part of apologetics that often doesn't get discussed. Yeah. Which is not only what are questions that are being asked right now in our culture, but what are the questions that are going to be asked? And are we prepared to answer those questions and to give a good, you know, not just an answer, but a good answer? Yeah. I remember that it was 10 years ago that I heard you speaking and you were talking about the number of young adults that were, that were leaving the church. And yeah. I was incredibly convicted by that. And in fact, it was a catalyst for my wife and I to start a ministry called Apologetics Canada. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was amazing to see how God led in that way yeah. and how he's blessed that. And now here we are in the year 2020, and I'm looking to the next decade, yeah. and I'm asking, okay, what are the questions that are going to be asked in the years to come? And are we prepared to answer those questions? Now, Lee, I'm not, I'm not asking you to pull out the crystal ball, you know, and, and I don't know if you've written a book, like maybe The Case for the Future or something like that. No, I like that. I, I may crib that. <laughs> you, can, you can take yeah, that one. Thank you. Uh, but I did want to ask, you know, we, I think that we can see different indicators and trajectories of yeah. where culture's going. And I wanted to get your perspective. Where do you see things going? What do you think are some of the major questions that the church needs to be prepared to address in the future? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with how we address these questions. First of all, it's interesting that today in Canada and in the United States, 
people we encounter with the hope of having an evangelistic conversation with them do not come in neutral. Uh, they come in assuming we're bigoted, assuming we're narrow-minded, judgmental, anti-gay. And so uh, we come in in a deficit. What are the implications of that? I think the implication of that is uh, we need an apologetic of a godly lifestyle of genuine love and concern for all people. And um, to try to erase that deficit that starts our conversations. Now, in a culture where fake news is all around us, yeah. it makes it even more challenging, doesn't it? Because yeah. a lot of people come into a conversation with you thinking that you might have ideas or views or be a certain way that yeah. in fact you're not. They do. They come in thinking they know what you know and they know what you're going to say, but they really don't. And so it's, it's important to kind of take them off guard. And to be very loving and kind in our conversations. That's why I think one of the trends in apologetics is away from a monologue in favor of a dialogue, a conversation, a friendship, a relationship, um, a conversation. Uh, I think that's much more important than just downloading a bunch of information. I think this idea of relationship is absolutely crucial, especially in a culture that is incredibly lonely. Yes. As you know, like loneliness is pervasive. Yeah. There, there's a lot of broken relationships, broken families, broken communities. And I absolutely agree. I think this idea of relationship is absolutely crucial. And in fact, I think there's an aspect here of the gospel that's often forgotten, mm. that you're saved not into a personal relationship with God, but also a corporate relationship yes. with, with God. Right. And this is what it means to be a part, part of, of the community. community. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's why I think one of the biggest trends in apologetics, and I think this is going to grow in the coming years and decades, is what I call spiritual discovery groups. Uh, these are small groups made up of half a dozen or so non-believers and a Christian couple that lead the group, either maybe often husband and wife, or it could be a, um, a leader and an apprentice. And they meet on a regular basis to talk about faith stuff. It's really an excuse to get together to talk about God. Mm -hmm. And these are dynamite. Uh, when we launched these in Chicago as kind of an experiment, and this is back in the mid-90s, I brought in Gary Poole, who's one of the leading experts on these. And I said, Gary, just start these groups. Let's see what happens. Pretty soon we had 1,100 non-believers in these small groups. Wow. We tracked them over a period of years. And guess what we found? If a non-believer joined one of these groups and stayed in it, 80% came to faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. Why? Because people these days, especially young people, love conversations. They like relationships. They are lonely. They want to have a friendship. They want to have a place where they can give their opinion and where they can have a conversation. So I think that is a very important trend in the next coming decades of evangelism and apologetics. In my work with young adults, that's exactly what I've seen. You know, we have over 300 young adults in community groups in our, in our church alone. Oh, awesome. And that's exactly what we found is that many people that come to faith do so in a community group. Exactly. And one of the things that I have seen so, or that I've been so encouraged by is oftentimes it's our community group leaders that's baptizing yes. you know, these, these people that are coming to faith because that's the one that they have connection with. Yeah. And often as well, when something's going on in their life, you know, and, and somebody's visiting the hospital or helping them with you know, maybe food or whatever it might be, it's yeah. often their community Exactly, group. exactly. Yeah. That is so important. And I don't understand why every church doesn't have these groups, even just one group in a small church. Yep. Um, Gary Poole, for years, I said, write a book to help people know how to do these groups. He finally did. It's called Seeker Small Groups. Uh, we used to call them that. Now we call them spiritual discovery groups. But that's a great book, kind of a starting place for how to do these kind of ministries. And what Gary has taught me, especially, is, um, and I think this is another trend in the future of apologetics, 
let's not be trigger happy in giving answers. I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, one way I used to get into spiritual conversations with non-believers is to ask them a question. If you could ask God any one question and you knew he'd give you an answer right now, what would you ask him? Well, 80% of people in the United States will say some permutation of the why does God allow pain and suffering question. Yeah. And I used to have a five-point answer to give that. And I, boom, 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 boom. I'll, I'll tell you why God allows pain and suffering. Boom. Now I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Now what I do is I ask a follow-up question. The follow-up question is, because they may ask, um, you know, why does God allow pain and suffering? And I'll say, wow, of all the possible questions in the universe, why did he choose that one? Now they get down to the real reason. Now they'll say, because my wife's been diagnosed with cancer. Or we lost a son in childbirth five years ago. I don't want to know where was God when that happened. Now we're getting to the emotional bedrock of the issue. That's where I want to meet that person. I want to put my arm around their shoulder and say, I'm so sorry. And I want to be their friend. And I want to be Jesus to them. That, I think, is the future of, of apologetics. It goes right back to this idea of relationship. Yes. That What, what do they need? They right. need somebody to be with them. And oftentimes they'll say, listen, I just need somebody to just sit with me. Yes. Somebody that, would just, that was just there. Maybe somebody that's going to pray with me. But you're right. The questions often, they'll come, but, yeah. but maybe later. Yeah. But in the moment, they need somebody that's just there for them. They need that community. Yeah. Before we continue, a message from Andy. Hi, listeners. This is Andy Steiger. I just wanted to remind you that I have a new children's book out that I co-authored with Rachel McKenzie called What Am I Worth? You can pick it up at Amazon or ApologeticsCanada.com. As well, I have a new book coming out in September with Zondervan. The title is Reclaimed, How Jesus Humanizes in a Dehumanized World. As you know, we are living in a challenging time, but I believe with great opportunities for sharing the gospel. This book uniquely uses our humanity to discuss the gospel and what a life of flourishing in Christ looks like that I believe is desperately needed in our world. If you would like to learn more about this resource and help us get the word out, please consider becoming a part of our book launch team and help us get this resource into people's hands. Those that participate will get an early edition of the book and have the opportunity to learn and interact with me on its content. If you would like to participate, let us know by emailing info at apologeticscanada.com. And now, back to the podcast. One of the questions that I get concerned about as I look to the next decade yeah. is with our growing dependence on technology, mm. it seems that relationships are being deteriorated they are. At, at a quicker rate. Absolutely. And we're starting to swap relationship yes. with technology. Yes, boy. Does it concern absolutely. you? It, uh, greatly. And, you know, I, I'm very uh, active on Twitter. I've made friends on Twitter. I've shared Christ on Twitter. I've, I've had some impact spiritually on Twitter. But that's not the, sum, the substance of all my relationships. And I see so many young people who are so dependent on social media and so buried in a device that they don't pursue the opportunity to have a really deep personal friendship with someone else. And you know, Christianity is about those deep friendships. So I think it's a great uh, opportunity, again, to befriend people, and legit, and not in a way that you're my project, but authentically expressing the love of Christ to people. And these small groups, again, I think are a great way of expressing that. And I think this gets to a, a deeper issue that we are finding needs to be addressed in these coming years, even now, obviously. And that is fundamental questions of what it means to be a human being. Yeah. And fundamental 
ideas about what it leads to human flourishing. Mm. You know, one, one of the questions that I have often thought of or illustrations is, you know, the older I get, if I'm, you know, to be honest with you, Lee, the older I get, the more attractive hanging baskets have become in my life. Yeah. And, uh, and gardening <laughs> has become more interesting. But I'm, I'm a terrible gardener. But often when I go to the greenhouse, you know, the first thing I do is look at the little tag. And I, and I look for the instructions, like, mm. what's going to lead to this plant's flourishing? Yeah. And, and when I think about a human being, I think, you know, when, if you were to have a baby and you were to go look for a little tag maybe on their wrist that says, this will lead to their flourishing. You know, the Bible tells us relationship. Yeah. You know, you were created for a relationship with God. You were created for a relationship with each other. And I think uh, we, we need to come to understand that that's, that is a core aspect of yeah. who we are as human beings. It is a quest that people are on for affirmation friendship, someone to respect them and tell them they're valued, they're important, God loves them. And that drives a lot of why people are searching and seeking for something to fill that void that they're feeling. So I think those are all relevant observations about what the future looks like. I think something else the future looks like is that in the future, apologetics will be and should be taught at the youngest ages. Natasha Crane, who writes on apologetics for young people, uh, made a powerful observation. She said, our Sunday school classes in the average church are teaching our children how to be secular humanists. Mm. And what she meant by that is, if you go into your typical church, what are these classes to these kids about? They're about Bible stories. So let's take the story of David and Goliath. What's the value we're going to teach you? The value of courage. Moses, what's the takeaway? What's the, the, the value we want to talk about? Uh, leadership. Well, guess what? Secular humanists believe in leadership. They believe in courage, too. What we're teaching is some stories from the Bible to our kids. We're not teaching why they can trust the Bible. And so we end up getting kids who are nice kids, but they're not tethered to the truth of Christianity. And so I think we're going to see in the future, I hope, apologetics trickling down to the youngest children. I mean, my books have been done in children's editions, Case for Christ for Kids, as well as student editions for high school kids. High school and college kids are not interested, as David Kinnaman says, they're not interested in spiritual soft serve. They're interested in, in really discussing relevant issues to their life and to their, to their future. And we need to engage them on that level, that, that high school Youth ministry needs to be more than just sports and crafts and hanging out. We ought to be teaching people why we believe what we believe. And I hope in the future that becomes an ever important emphasis. Especially given the state of our culture, as we see the trajectory of where things are going. I mean, parents really do need to come to to grips with the, the need for apologetics and the need to be teaching their children at a young age. Because if they don't, the culture is going to. Absolutely. In fact, um, I was uh, uh, reading something from a guy who said his kindergarten a child was taunted on the playground by some kids because she believed in God. Mm. Oh, you believe in fairy tales kind of a thing. Kindergarten. Our kids will be challenged for their faith. They, it's going to come. It's going to come in kindergarten or it's going to come in high school. It's going to come in college. They will be challenged. We've got to prepare them. It is parental malpractice it is pastoral malpractice not to equip our people with reasons to believe what they believe so um and if you look at the the reasons why young people are leaving the church let me read your quote from nancy piercy she of course is a cultural observer and apologist herself Uh, she said in studies asking why young people leave their family religion their most frequent response was unanswered doubts and questions 
The researchers were surprised. They expected to hear stories about broken relationships and wounded feelings. But the top reason given by young adults was that they did not get answers to their questions. That's tragic. We, we have good answers to the toughest questions of life and faith. And, you know, one of the trends of apologetics is more and more good answers. I mean, 40 years ago, we didn't have the Kalam cosmological argument for the existence of God. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we didn't have the argument from biological information in DNA, which is a powerful argument. Um, we're getting more and more evidence as, as the years go by for the existence of God and the truth of Christianity. We need to be sharing that with young people to, to um, do the two things that apologetics does. It, it strengthens the faith of believers, but it also gives them confidence to reach out to non-believers and have spiritual conversations with them. And really, this begins at home. Yes. Where you develop a culture where it's okay to ask questions. Yes. This, this needs to take place in the church where pastors, again, create a culture where it's okay to ask questions. Yes. It's okay to think on these, these, these big issues, these important issues. In doing so, and in, in, in having their questions answered, it begins to help them to appreciate, you know, that there are answers. Yeah. So that when they have questions in the future, they're not threatened by that. Yeah. But, but the, they've already had a, a history of seeing yes. that there's good answers. There. You know, one of the things we do at uh, the church I'm part of in the Woodlands, Texas, is um, periodically uh, we have a weekend where we don't have a sermon. It's me and my ministry associate, Mark Middleberg. We get up and we just answer questions for 45 minutes. We have people in advance shoot little videos of themselves asking questions. Uh, but we then take live questions from the people in the congregation. And, and that does a couple things. Number one, we're able to impart answers. But number two, we're modeling something. We're saying we're not afraid of questions. Jesus wasn't afraid of questions. When John the Baptist's buddies came and asked him, you know, are you the one we've been waiting for? We had to wait for somebody else because John was sitting in prison and started to have hesitations and questions about God. Jesus doesn't get mad at him. He says, go back to John. Tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. In other words, go back and tell about the evidence you've seen, the evidence with your own eyes that convinces you I am the one I claim to be. So it's okay. Jesus didn't freak out when people ask sincere questions. And we ought not either. And I think when people see that, they're more willing to say, okay, well, I do have some questions. Interestingly, another thing I've learned is the first question they ask is not often the key one. They're floating a trial balloon. They want to see what are you going to say when I ask this first question. If you just give me a five-point sermon to answer my question, okay, fine. You know, this is a rehearsed can thing. But if you are sincere and you have a conversation and you really relate to me and you affirm those parts of the question that you can and you challenge parts that you want to and we have a, a dialogue about it, now I'm willing to ask the next question, which is maybe the, the more fundamental and deeper question. One of the things that encouraged me in my faith when I started asking questions is I began to realize that there are other people that have these questions too. Yeah. Not just now, That's but in the true. past. Yes. And we have a wonderful, robust intellectual tradition to lean on. Absolutely. Of great thinkers. Absolutely. You know, that's another trend, I think, is that um, we don't have to pretend we're smarter than we are. We don't have to pretend we're more spiritual than we are. It's okay if someone asks us a tough question and we have to say, that's a great question. I have no idea how to answer it. That's all right. As long as we seize the opportunity to say, let's pursue an answer together. Because there are so many great resources out there now. You know, when I was an atheist and did my investigation back years and years ago, 
there was very little out there for me to rely on or to go to to get the uh, Orthodox Christian view. Um, today, libraries are packed with great material from wonderful people who give godly wisdom and reasons for why we believe what we believe. So it's a lot easier than it used to be. And I think it's going to get easier in the future. On that note, I, I did just want to press a little deeper into some issues I see coming in the future. And yeah. I'm wondering how you, uh, if you've thought on these. As you know, I'm, I'm just finishing off my PhD work. And part of the doctoral work I've been doing is in the area of artificial intelligence and yeah. machine learning. You know, and people like Ray Kurzweil and others are predicting that within this next decade, we will have machines that can mimic humans yeah. to a very convincing degree. Yeah. I think that the church is going to need to be prepared to address that. I think that we're going to need to do a better job in our theological anthropology of what is actually a human being. And is a machine a human? And just because you can have a human mimicking machine, does it suddenly become well, human? And not only that, but what about the merging of the human and the machine through implants, brain implants, transhumanism? Through transhumanism. Um, you know, we, you become a bionic individual. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, will we come to the day when our entire contents of our brains and memories is downloaded into a computer and then is that computer me or who is it exactly these are tough questions these are legitimate issues and that's why i'm glad we have people like you <laughs> getting your phds to explore these things seriously i mean these are issues i'm not an expert in but there's going to be the day is going to come when i'm going to read your book and it's going to help me reach a friend because you're going to be the expert and i do want to encourage i guess those that are listening that there are some issues that we're heading into in this next decade that we need more people to think about. That's and right. And you've mentioned some of them. Issues of transhumanism. Yeah. We're in a day and age where through technologies like CRISPR, it's actually possible to do what once was science fiction, yeah. such as editing the human genome. Right. And I think it does raise some challenging questions in the area of human advancement. Yeah. What do we see? Designer babies. Yeah. You know, what, what is ethical? What is not ethical? I think this whole area of cultural apologetics dealing for issues like life and death, uh, like what does it mean to be human, the soul, and so forth. I mean, these, these are crucial issues, and they're going to surprise us in the future if we're not prepared to address what, the, what issues they do raise. Well, that's why I wanted to talk to you, because I want to encourage others that there are lots of great answers out there. There are questions, though, that are coming that we're going to need to think hard about and be prepared to give good answers. So, you know, that's one of the reasons we've started our new center for... Uh, I, I just heard about that. Yeah. Tell, tell me briefly about yeah. that. Yeah, it's a new center for evangelism and what we call applied apologetics at Colorado Christian University. By applied apologetics, we mean there are great schools out there that create intellectuals and PhDs in philosophy who teach in major universities. God bless them. That's important. But it's also important, I think, to have people who are in the marketplace of ideas who are writing editorials in newspapers, who are serving in courts of law. Translators, if you Trans will. Exactly, into the culture. And we want to train those people. And so we're offering, ultimately, it'll be 180 courses, accredited courses in the area of evangelism, apologetics, world apologetics, or world religions, and cultural apologetics. These are all online. We're using the latest technology uh, in fact, we're the first university in uh, North America to adopt this new uh, artificial resource kind of stuff from Israel. 
to make these courses come alive for people so they can take them in their homes. You can get a degree or you can just take a few courses. So we'll be announcing those um, courses coming fall of 2020. So it's just starting. It's just starting. Our first 30 courses will be available. And uh, if people want information on that, they can go to ccu.edu slash Strobel Center. Yeah, well, one word, and um, there's all the information about it. But it, it, it's doing exactly what you're doing, which is to say we're looking ahead and saying how can we prepare the next generation to be the standard bearers of the truth of Christ. And so we want to mentor them, we want to encourage them, we want to equip them and unleash them to make a difference in the 21st century. Well, I greatly appreciate you, Lee, and the work you do. I've always appreciated your focus on the well, gospel. Thanks and the number of people that have been blessed by your ministry. So I'm excited about this. Thanks. I'm excited about what you're doing. We love our friends in Canada. And, uh, you know, you guys are a little further downstream than we are in a lot of ways. Um, Your culture is two or three steps along further toward secularism than we are in the States. Yeah, you know, you often say, if you want to see where things are heading, often look to Canada. That's exactly right. And so we we rely on you to be kind of the... uh, the canary in the in the cave <laughs> to, to sense what are the trends and important things that we all need to address in the future. Well, on that note, this March we have our tenth annual Apologetics Canada Conference, That's and great. we're going to be looking at the future. The theme this year is Back to the Future, <laughs> and we want to look ahead and say, okay, let's let's be prepared for what's coming. Yeah, and let, let's don't be you know thinking, oh man, we should have. Yeah, Let, let's be ready with the questions that are coming. So we want to help people to already begin to think to have good answers as we move into this next decade. That's that's fantastic. I'm, I'm so proud of what you all are doing. And uh, now I can say y'all because I'm from Houston now. So <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all wouldn't understand that in, in Canada, but uh, I'm now an official Houstonian. <laughs> Appreciate you. Appreciate Thank you. God bless you, Andy. Thank you.